0: Welcome back or welcome to the Humans of Triathlon or HOT podcast, where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon, one human, one story at a time, with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real, authentic, raw, and enjoyable conversations with humans of triathlon from around the globe and from all walks of life. Hello humans of triathlon, this is Swapnil Chauhan here speaking from Melbourne, Australia and I've got a new co-host with me today, Sheila Trilevin from Grimsby, Ontario, Canada. Charles is on the move, he's traveling today so he won't be joining us, but we are joined by another amazing human of triathlon residing in Washington State, <laughs> US. So Sheila, who do we have on the show today?
1: Well... Growing up as a country boy along the coastal mountains of Oregon, it only seems natural that today's guest would gravitate to the sport of mountain biking. Honing his bike handling skills by watching, then trying, all the stunts in the New World Disorders video, he eventually started his career as an elite mountain bike and cyclocross athlete. One day as a last minute decision, he entered the Duathlon National Championships without training for the run finding himself a few short months later at the Duathlon World Championships. After moving overseas with his wife, he decided to pursue a new passion and face the challenges of off-road triathlon. With each successive triathlon, he learns and discovers new things about himself. He shares these learnings and his passion for sport with the kids he volunteer coaches, helping them fuel their own growth and passion. He's a pro XTERRA triathlete, a husband, volunteer, he works and most importantly, is a brand new daddy. So, welcome Pro Xterra triathlete Barrett Fishnar.
2: Wow. Welcome, a, Barrett. Thank you. That was quite the introduction. Uh, thanks. <laughs> that's great. You're super. Welcome.
0: It's amazing to have you on the show. I believe you're the first proper off road triathlete and definitely the first Pro Xterra racer to come on the show. So, that's exciting.
2: Yeah, that's a uh, soup. That's great. It's an honor. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on.
0: No, likewise. Um thanks for coming on. So, I was I was just scrolling through your Instagram profile just now and it's yeah. pretty clear you're a fan of comics. So, Yeah,
2: that's uh, my newest uh thing. My Instagram's kind of a work in progress experiment.
1: Well, I love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, how about you talk to us about
0: your origin story you know your comic book number one
2: my comic book number one well you kind of hit on it i grew up in the coastal mountains of uh, oregon there's not much for people out there there's more cows than people where i'm from <laughs> my dad's a logger and so i grew up around the timber industry and uh also grew up around farms my first job was working on cattle ranches and farming I'd go on the weekends with my dad up to his jobs when he'd have to. Um, but my life was very oriented around the outdoors, fishing, hunting. Uh, we do camping trips, fishing trips, and coincidentally, every fishing trip we went on in the Cascade mountains, the coast range, wherever we'd run into a mountain bike race. It was just one of those odd things Hmm. where it was fishing trip, mountain bike race. Okay. (laughs) But, uh. Living in the country, I had many physical labor jobs and had to do a lot of firewood, so much firewood firewood on firewood on firewood so and my parents live on the hill, and I had this challenge for myself. We had this like thirty pound wheelbarrow that had some concrete residue in it, and it was about a football length up to my up to the house where the firewood had to be stacked. And it was about five percent grade, so I'd see how many pieces of firewood I can put in that wheelbarrow and sprint up the hill with. I think my record was a hundred or something. Oh my god! What would
1: that weigh? Like, how much weight is that you're pushing up that hill?
2: A lot. I, have no- <laughs> I don't know. I was just a kid who liked to try to push my limits all the time. And besides that, I had for sports. I was in your typical like. You know, baseball and basketball. Baseball was my life. So whenever my team had practice, I had daily doubles. When we had daily doubles, I had daily triples. I was pretty hard. Worked pretty hard at it. So.
1: So what took you then from baseball to mountain biking?
2: That that came about from uh, that started way earlier in life and was like a seed. It started that just slowly blossomed. It started by running into those mountain bike races on our fishing trips. It just intrigued me to see these people on bicycles flying off road at high rates of speed. (laughs) Something about it just kind of uh, attracted me to it. And then uh, my parents bought me a mountain bike because they wouldn't let me get a dirt bike. All my buddies were into dirt bike. Dirt biking's huge where I'm from. But uh, my friends were constantly trying to kill themselves <laughs> with them. So my parents figured the mountain bike would be a safer option. I think I've proved that wrong <laughs> by now. <laughs> so I've been to the hospital more times I can count. But.
1: yeah, Well, I did not know what... Um, when I was reading your profile, I didn't know what the New World Disorder videos were. And
0: yeah, same. Here. I looked
1: it up, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, you were trying all those stunts! I hope your mother didn't know."
2: <laughs> Aren't they awesome? They're. I mean, when I first got into mountain biking, it was the '90s, the late '90s. Yeah. So those that's that was the thing back then, and yeah. I didn't have no special bike. I had a three hundred dollar fully rigid chromoly mongoose i was running around on and uh that was my first mountain bike that i did my first race on and it was just about seeing what you can do and hoping not to go to the hospital
0: <laughs> Were well, were there any crazy accidents that you accidents that you remember
2: Oh, I had one a couple of years ago. I put the handlebar through my ribs. That sliced some organs.
1: Oh my Damn. gosh!
2: So, but that's pretty rare. I, that was a special instance. I wasn't paying attention. I was daydreaming. That was right after the dual duathlon world. Oh, okay. So, but that one stands out. Yep.
0: So yeah, um, take us from you know you fall in love with mountain biking and did going pro was that something you knew about and did, did was that something you aspired to do or how did that happen
2: yeah i've always had i'm my type is dream i'm definitely a person who has dreams of grandeur i mm-hmm. start something immediately see the t- pinnacle yeah that's, that's
0: exactly me too
2: yeah it, It has its positives and negatives. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, when I turned elite at 19, I got a coach, and the first question I asked her was, Do you think I'm Olympic capability? That's so that would explain my mindset that I had. It was always, What was her answer? I tested. She's like, You're one of the highest testing juniors I've ever had. So, tested pretty well. Good. But, she told me to start small.
1: So you did? You just jumped into Elite?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So so, bring us through your Elite uh, mountain biking uh, career, like how it started, like you got into Elite and then how did you do, like, you know, how did you feel about it?
2: I went into Elite rather quick. I'm, I was 19-ish and uh, so my first year in college. And it got sidetracked because my buddy that I was racing against proposed an idea to do Race Across America that year. Oh. So everything got put on hold to do Race Across America in 2002. Uh, No one under the age of 20 had ever completed it, so we wanted that record. And he proposed this to me in February of 2002. And... In July I found myself at the start line of Ram.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah, with no training for it at all. all I was doing was mountain bike racing. So my longest ride up to that point was an hour and a half. He did multiple double centuries by then, but I like I said, I never did anything beyond a mountain bike race. So I just I was just went into it with the confidence that we could do it.
0: How was it? Yeah.
2: One of the most amazing experiences on the bike you'll ever have. So it is, it will be the highest and lowest points of your life on the bike. There'll be times you don't ever want to see the bike again and times that you're so grateful to be able to do something like cycle across America. It, I We met so many people. Uh, Saw so many things in ways that you normally don't get to see.
0: Hmm. So for people listening who aren't aware of the race, just give us a little brief of the distances and what it includes.
2: Okay. Race Across America is a 3,000-mile road cycling race that goes from the west coast of America to the east coast. Back then, the year we did it, it went from Portland, Oregon to Pensacola, Florida and had 180,000 feet of climbing. Since they've uh, changed the route to from San Diego, California to Atlantic City, and it's a bit flatter with sixty-eight thousand feet of climbing now, something like that. So it's a more southern route. The year we did it, they're trying a different northern route, but I don't know what happened to it. So we had to go through Oregon, Idaho, Utah, do things like the thirty-five mile Flaming Gorge climb, steamboat to Leadville all those fun things.
1: So you truly love challenges, just kind of jumping in without actually training for things (laughs) like (laughs) the duathlon and the race around America. And, and, you know, how did you like, you know, not training for that and not your longest ride being 90 minutes. How did you fare through the days? Like, did you have to take several breaks? Were you like ex- extremely exhausted? Like h- how did you feel throughout the event? How did you hold up?
2: Well, it the first night was trying. The first night I was done. We did do it as a two man team, so it was nice to be able to rotate okay. through. But we were on our rotations, which made it kind of rough. And uh, that first night, I was totally done sleep deprived. I was pretty over it, but eventually found my legs. The next night we were in Ogden and I fared well. I did the big climb out of Ogden. And then where were we? Wyoming, my knees gave out. So I literally, to get back into the support van when uh, my rotation was up, i just kind of come to a dead halt and then tip the bike over, fall on the ground, and crawl back into the support van.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: So there are some times the mind plays games with you. There was this one point in uh, southeast Colorado. It was like 2 in the morning, full moon. And uh, I was looking way ahead. You could see far to, in the horizon on the road. And the road was waving, and I was like, "All right, Barrett, you've officially lost it. You've gone bonkers. You're seeing things. The road is moving around in the sky." But it turned out to be there was a massive herd of jackrabbits migrating, and when I hit it, they're just jackrabbits flying <laughs> everywhere. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> What is going on? I've never seen jackrabbits before coming from Oregon, nor jackrabbit, that many jackrabbits at once. So it was just like this mind-blowing experience all in the dark on a bicycle.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. That, that, would, that would be scary. I, I can't even imagine that many rabbits at once. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was uh, definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience.
1: For sure. How many days did it take you guys to, to finish that?
2: Eight. We were third in the two-man division and the youngest to finish.
1: That's awesome.
0: So you officially became like the youngest two to finish that race when you did it
2: back then? I say we did. There was no one younger than us. The record didn't reflect this. Uh I don't know why. I'm kind of confused over it myself, but whatever.
1: Well, we'll give it to you. (laughs)
2: Thanks. (laughs) So like being in... (laughs) College then, like,
0: what did what did your friends and all think about that?
2: Uh, they thought I was crazy. So, but yeah, they thought it was pretty nuts to just go and do it. Everyone thought we were nuts. We were ridden off. We were told if we made it to Colorado, that would be amazing. So no one gave us a shot.
1: <laughs> you definitely proved them wrong. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, and we won two of the three creams along the way too, which was nice. They had a. Three preems, Portland, so right out the start gate, Portland to Mount Hood, steamboat to Leadville, and some flat one in Mississippi. And we won the steamboat to Leadville, won the Mississippi one, and lost the Portland one by six minutes. Hmm. That's amazing. So it was a good race. And then we got to hang out on the beaches of Florida after.
1: (laughs) that's the best right there and when you went back to school did you get to like say hey we told you so
2: uh i no i didn't do that so i had the plaque that was good enough
1: that was good enough
2: (laughs) yeah
1: so let's move back to your your elite career so you're in college you took a little break to do the the ride across america and then um, you got back into elite mountain biking
2: and it just didn't go anywhere okay yeah so i got in college i got very distracted by college life pretty much Been there i was focusing on anything but cycling and uh school (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got into trouble and uh was living that more i was in the fraternity was living more that college fraternity lifestyle Gotcha. It kind of, I made a lot of bad choices and it peter, started petering out through college. It also, in college, I decided to go from off-road to road. That's when the whole Lance Armstrong effect was taking place. And my coach, we knew my power, but I was struggling on the descents in mountain biking. That's where I'd lose the races so we thought i'd try road and it just it was many difficult years of not living up to potential
1: yeah that's hard i um i i I've, I've felt that as well during some of my college career so i understand where you're coming from yeah <laughs> um right right then and there it's 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 not easy so how did you overcome that feeling to get back you know to to keep moving forward and and the sport
2: honestly i quit there was a time where i quit competing i my focus went totally i walked away after trying to go on the road and having conflicts with my team manager then and stuff i and still in a non-productive lifestyle even post-college i just kind of walked away and started pursuing firefighting instead. Hmm. So I tried out for Portland fire. I went and fought wildfires. I was just, by then I had a bad taste for cycling. I was so disheartened that I didn't live up to the potential I showed through race across America and also, uh, really feeling regret by not taking the opportunities I was offered immediately after. To go ride pro in Europe that uh I just quit I sold everything
0: do you think that was mainly just because you lost the fun from it like because earlier as a kid you know you got into this stuff just because you thought it was exciting because it was fun but do you think once you went pro it became more more it
2: became more than just having fun once I started racing it was not fun anymore it wasn't about the fun it was about success and it was about that uh vision of grandeur Mm -hmm. so i never allowed myself to have fun once i started racing even at the junior level it was always about being the best
1: yeah it was your career choice right is that part of the pressure I, i i did read in your your um bio that you you sent us that when you were doing it uh it was a career that you faced a lot of of skepticism
2: well it wasn't a career it wasn't paying especially but uh i had sponsors but there was no there wasn't much money involved but yeah there was skepticism from i mean day one uh just trying to get into my first mountain bike race I would go to my local shop and they'd tell me, oh, you missed it. Oh, there are no more races. Oh, you don't have what it takes. Mountain biking's really tough and you just won't be able to endure it. And it took me two years because this was, you know, pre-internet. And uh, so one day I just got looking through this mountain bike newsletter Oregon had and made a phone call to some group ride thinking it was a race and it wasn't but she uh directed me towards a race director and that happened to be the mudslinger which is was my local in town race and, and i found it two weeks before so i was like okay two weeks to my first race so i just started i didn't train her or anything up to then riding was just to go to the store to get some mountain dew or ride the woods next to the house and do some things and hope not to hurt yourself. There was no real riding before that. So, 2 weeks prior to my first race, I was like I found an 8-mile loop and just started riding it as hard as I could <laughs> for 2 weeks to prepare for that race. Yeah. How did it go? I took second.
1: That's amazing.
2: So, I didn't know I was second at the time. It that was the most fun I had on the bike in a race. Your first one. Yeah. No pressure. After then, it became, because of how well I did, the self-pressure came on. Like, oh, I can do well. Oh, there's a whole series. Let's go for it.
1: For sure. And did you feel then you had expectations from others upon you as well? Or was it mostly just pressure from yourself?
2: It's mostly myself doing it to myself.
1: Yep, for sure. So let's, let's move then back to you've quit cycling you've sold all your stuff yeah how did how did you get the spark back or what brought you back to to cycling duathlon get you back into the sport
2: my wife meeting my wife was the turning point in my life i was definitely not in all aspects so she pretty well saved me I've really, everything I have today, I owe to her because I was definitely not on a productive life path prior.
1: So how did you meet her?
2: Through mutual friends. It's funny because I knew her friends for eight years, hung out like daily, but somehow we never met, which is a really good thing at the time. (laughs) So I'm really glad we didn't meet for those seven years prior.
0: So what was it that helped you turn things around?
2: Uh falling in love. Falling in love with the right woman and having her make me want to be better.
1: So how did she encourage how did she encourage you to get back into your sport then?
2: She didn't. It was the it was a change because I was uh, changing location. I was living in Portland at the time she was living in las Vegas thousand mile relationships difficult yeah so and she was in school down there, so there was no her moving up to me, so I made the decision to move down there for our relationship. Uh, I had a feeling we'd get married. I knew she was the one, so I moved down there to be with her, and the change of location also sparked re energized my interest in racing because it got me away from the area I was and uh, I just felt like it would be a new beginning for everything so yeah
0: walk us from there how did you progress into the sport again
2: I went back as an amateur I went back in as a cat one and by then because of my time off not watching my diet and in the weight room trying to make the make the uh, fire department, I was pretty heavy, but in complete denial about it. So I went in trying to race and just getting smashed every race. It was bad that first year. And was this just the MTB races or? Yeah, just mountain bike. Yeah. So yeah, I downgraded to Cat 1 and just, was getting hammered that first year. So the second year, I started training heavily, up to seven hour days, and dropped my weight down a lot. I think I lost 20 pounds for that season. Did a lo- lot better. But then the following year, I lost too much weight, and it was a dismal season, too. And then that year, I was trying to go to cyclocross.
1: So did you have a coach during this time at all, or were you doing this all on your own?
2: I was coached back in college. Uh, She was a great coach. I have a lot of regret about not being able, about how I was for her back then. So not being fully dedicated. I did all the workouts. It's just I was living that party lifestyle so she didn't get my best
0: yeah it just seems like you go all in whichever side you choose right like when you were racing you were racing but then when you went to college and started the party life you sort of went all into that side and then when you got back again when you went into weight loss you again kind of
2: overdid it yes i can get very ocd so i have a lot of when i go into something i give it my all which can be detrimental too as detriment can definitely be detrimental at times
1: for sure so you you were obviously learning a lot from each season right one you were too heavy yes. then you then you were too light so yeah so at that point you know where you were still on your own without a coach when you were in las vegas did you get one to help you move forward or just from your own learning
2: i have i'm still not coached by anyone oh. i'm still doing it on my own is there any reason for that well at the end of my time with my coach she pretty well thought i would had all the knowledge and i spend hundred i you can ask my wife i spend way too much time researching I spend putting hundreds of hours of researching into anything I do. It's just I feel at this point of time there's so much history, and I've done so many different things and tried so much. It would be kind of a step back to start working with anyone.
0: Mm, that's interesting
2: because it would be someone that I would have to catch up twenty years of history with. It's a lot of history.
1: And and you know what? Some people do better without a coach, and and. Others, you know, they they rely on their coach maybe too much. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I would definitely recommend one. I would definitely recommend one, so especially if you're newer to the sport. Uh, it's a great resource to have a coach.
1: They really are. And sometimes they just offer that different point of view that maybe you're not seeing yeah right now or 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 at least another option
2: exactly and that's the hardest part of uh doing it myself is being having that third person view trying to look outside of myself as someone looking in
0: i think something i'm uh, at least i've been seeing more of is people just not exactly having coaches but just like you could say mentors or consultants or something like that who, so you basically do all the work on your own, but just, you know, go to them for some advice when needed. Yeah. I've
2: been seeing that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have a couple people, people have a couple close friends for that to bounce things off of. So I, I'm not totally on my own, but I build everything else myself.
0: So when did triathlon come into the picture?
2: triathlon i randomly fell into and it was uh it was uh linked to the dualathlon i mean coming from the cycling world cyclists don't think very fond of triathletes no they don't (laughs) no they think of them as not real athletes horrific bike handlers and just completely incapable
1: and don't you dare bring a time trial bike out on a, on a road ride ever.
2: I uh, know. No. no. <laughs> Although sometimes in college we would take our tri bikes out and go trail ride on them. Oh, gosh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they're poor, poor bikes.
2: Bike. <laughs> ah, they're okay. They're made for stuff like that, right? You just have to have good tires. You can That's do anything right. on any bike if you put your mind to it. So yeah, I came from that whole cycling mentality. All triathletes, blah blah blah, and just kind of shoot it off. But yet, would also I'd see the Ironman and Xterra World Championships on TV with their hour specials. Uh, I remember seeing them early on as a kid, and it always intrigued me, which completely contradicts that whole cycling mentality I have. So I guess there was some inkling of curiosity deep down uh but so i went on and started competing cyclocross full time when we moved to north carolina Uh, we move a lot because my wife's active duty Mm -hmm. so every three years we have to pick up and move so in carolina i was racing cyclocross i was going to the elite the uci races here in america And it was spring. I was bored out of my mind with my base for cyclocross. And that's when I entered the Dulathlon National Championships. And uh, because I figured Dulathlon has running, cyclocross has running that I've been skipping. (laughs) Uh, It would be great cross training. Why not? Spices my life up a little from this boring base training because let's face it, base training can get pretty mundane.
1: It definitely can. I
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: totally get that.
2: So and so after uh I got back from Power Man, I became more interested in multi-sport and my friends in Carolina were like, "You should be doing Xterra. You should try Xterra. You should try Xterra. You should try Xterra." Should try Xterra. <laughs> and I was like. Quit talking about Xterra. I'm not going to do it. That's triathlon. (laughs) Coming back from power, man, I was like, okay, I'll try it. So what year was that? 2014, I decided to do my first Xterra down in South Carolina. It was a March race, April race, and I was yet to swim. I didn't start swimming until January because I just didn't want to swim. In fact, my first ever open water swim and swim in the wetsuit was that race, which was an interesting experience. Complete panic pandemonium. I led us out there, then realized there was no line to see on the bottom and started freaking out, (laughs) thinking, great, white. And we were watching Jaws at the time, too, my wife and I. And despite the logical side of me being like, obviously, there's no sharks in this, or gators, uh, my mind was just, you're going to die. Jaws is going to come and eat, swallow you up and take you away.
1: There are always lake monsters. You may not see them, but they yeah. are there.
2: <laughs> yeah. That happened to me. That's not scare people away here. Yeah. Yeah. There's no lake monsters. I've <laughs> swam all over the world. There's no lake <laughs> monsters. <laughs> well, I guess in the ocean. But. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I found it, just people whispering in my ear and me eventually deciding to explore new avenues. Very,
1: very cool. Yeah, that was actually one of the questions I had for you was about this swim, because as a, a cyclist, like, I didn't know where the swim fit in for you, because that's a scary part for many triathletes is is that, that getting in the water and... Um, Getting over the panic of of the swim or being around the people, so um, you know for you to to go into the estera and and how have you gotten, yeah, how did you get your swim good enough? Now you're you're a pro. What have you done to improve your swim? Uh,
2: swim more, swim more, and swim often. Ugh, I'm still not satisfied with that swim. Swim's always the most is the most frustrating, dreadful part of my race. I just pray for it to get over.
1: That's the bike for me. Huh? I said that's the cycling for me. Yeah?
2: Yeah. That's not
0: cool. That's the longest part. That's... I know. <laughs> yeah, it
2: makes up 50% of the race. I know it does. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. So yeah, the swim, I just was wondering because that panic is something that I think that everyone feels. I know I even feel it. I'm a swimmer, but I I feel that in the water too. And I I think of those imaginary lake monsters as well. So um, how did you get over the panic the next time you went in?
2: Just doing it, finding, doing it more in Carolina, a lake to swim in at a neighbor's house. So I just started swimming there more. And just really working on the mental aspect leading up to that and working on the confidence, knowing it's okay, especially in a wetsuit, trusting the wetsuit for the buoyancy. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, there were times, say, in Portugal, where it was non-wetsuit and the whole mass of 1,000-plus athletes go. Due to my inexperience, those times can be like, oh, okay, we're doing this. We are definitely doing this. It's uh, like anything, you think too much about it, your mind starts messing with you. So it's more focusing on the task at hand, focusing on stroke mechanics and what you're trying to do rather than what's going on around you.
1: That's good advice.
2: So when did you
0: decide to turn pro after starting Xterra? And also just like, because I, and I'm sure many of the listeners aren't familiar with the whole Xterra scene. So just walk, walk us through maybe what type of races are there, like the distances of the different series that you do and stuff like that.
2: Have you guys ever done an Xterra?
0: I have not. No,
1: I have not either. Cause I'm afraid you
0: guys are missing out. So yeah, that's what I, that was another question I have, but before I asked, that um just talk to us about the Xtera scene.
2: Xterra I've totally fallen for. It's the race scene I've always desired. It's, it's full of super people. I mean, they're everyone's just really great. It's uh they call it the tribe, the family. Everyone's really chill, no matter your level, friendly. Uh the venues are get absolutely amazing i mean it's out in the outdoors so instead of being in centralized in cities you get out into the countryside you really get to see whatever country you're in you really get to see how it really is uh you get to experience the outdoors that each location has firsthand every race is a different challenge not one course is the same it's really just a fun, amazing event full of amazing people.
0: And so like what are the distances that you guys race? Are there various distances like there are on, on road, like Sprint and Olympic?
2: There are uh there's the Sprint at five hundred meter swims. The bikes vary from geez, what is the bike? The sprint seven to 12 miles for the sprint, and then the 5k trail run.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where the main distance, the championship distance, is 1500 meter swim, 30 to 40 kilometer bike, and the 10k trail run.
0: Mm, so that's pretty similar, then.
2: And there is two longer distance ones that are supposed to be equivalent to, say, a half Iron Man. So it would be a 1900 meter swim, a oh boy, kilometers Uh, a 36-mile mountain bike, and then a half marathon Mm -hmm. trail run. And then even some have super sprints to really get people involved because people get intimidated by the off-road, although it's a heck of a lot nicer to crash on dirt than pavement. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) It's a heck of a lot nicer to crash on the dirt. Even a tree, it's not as bad as pavement. Pavement's the worst. I've crashed tons on pavement. I hate it. I'd much rather hit a tree than crash on pavement.
0: So yeah, that was basically the other question I had, like, you know, not too long ago on Instagram, on like the stories, I had a little poll where I asked people if they've ever done an extended race. And I gave, basically gave them two choices that they have or that it's not for them. And a the majority of them responded that it's just not for them. And I'm pretty sure that a number of, a good number of them wouldn't have even tried it Of tried racing that type of race purely out of fear um, especially of the biking part mm-hmm. right so like what could you tell those people who maybe want to give it a go but are too afraid to start and you know just keep in mind that you started as a kid right so I mean at that age you you've got no care in the world so but as adults these fears and excuses start to creep in so is this kind of racing something you encourage other people to give a go and if so like how do they how did they get get into it?
2: most definitely i definitely encourage everyone to try off road uh it's my passion and i want to share that passion with everyone and that's off road to start slow easy don't get in over your head that's where i see a lot of people get in trouble they start riding beyond their capabilities and pushing the limits really hard and then stuff happens like i said it's in training you have no cars to worry about i've lost i've lost friends hit by cars it's in fact i barely train on the road anymore because it's just getting too dangerous out there so i definitely prefer training off-road where it's safer and start on the right trails to start on the green beginner trails
1: so you would recommend for an example, like my, I'll just use me as an example. So I started riding okay. a road bike at 40 years old. And, mm-hmm. um, mount, but never been in a trail on a mountain bike. I tend to like, even when I run on the trail, somehow the roots find me and I fall and cut myself or what have you. So I'm scared to ride on the trail. So I'm def, like, I'm afraid to do, that's why I'm afraid to do an Xterra race. So the recommendation for me would be, you would recommend that I just start mountain biking, go to the trail, get used to it.
2: That, and uh, there's a good book out there by Brian Lopes, who's like super, if you don't know who Brian Lopes is, he's a, the like the king of mountain biking. He was world champion, I think, in cross country, downhill, dual slum. He can ride a mountain bike. He's amazing writer he has a book called mastering mountain bike skills and there's there are things you can do say just in the city park on the nice grass to start slow and start learning learning balance learning how to weight the bike because so much of mountain biking is you disconnected from the bike you can't just sit on the saddle like a road bike yeah so uh core work is always helpful just slowly practicing skills and finding there's starting to be more and more groups out there that uh, work with beginners to improve their skills but it's just I would practice get that book and practice the skills is what I recommend to a lot of my buddies and go out with someone who knows go out with someone willing to work with you is always helpful too uh, I love taking new people out, I absolutely love it. It's the best part. The best part is sharing your passion with others.
1: Yeah, and and you, you share your passion um, with kids, so you volunteer with the USA Junior Track Clubs, is that?
2: Yeah, we have a Junior Track Club here in the city I uh, live in. So it's a cross country and track and field team. So in the fall cross country, right now it's track season and yeah i love it it's so awesome to work with the kids and they're so grateful for the help to have someone there to guide them and to see them progress and to see them face their challenges in sport and grow it's really it's way better than anything i can do for myself
0: Mm, no i love that
1: they must think it's pretty cool having you too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> One the other day it was like, You're what? I'm like, Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. This is the best part of it.
1: Yeah. It really is a great opportunity. You know, it's exciting for them to have someone such as yourself. You're a pro Xera athlete, you raced, you know, pro. Mountain biking and, and to be there to help those kids to to share your experience with them so that they know that it's something that they can strive for. I can only imagine how good it, it must make you feel.
2: Yeah, they like it. I know, coach is grateful too.
1: Good. They should be have someone with your experience on on board. It's a it's a, it's great for everyone. So, how are you balancing now? I know it's kind of new still, and you still have some some things to get used to. But you have a brand new baby.
2: I do. So He's you do <laughs> five weeks old now, something yeah. like that.
1: So how are you adapting to uh, trading with with very little sleep and a new baby in the house?
2: Oh, uh, you got to do what you got to do, right? That's yeah. I guess that's just kind of my mentality for everything. In life, you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, now in life. So uh, just doing it. Uh, I'm it's I'm fortunate that my wife gets three months maternity leave. Yeah. So the full weight hasn't hit yet. In May. Let's talk in May and see how I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when she has to go back, we'll see how that goes. Some kind of I have some anxiety over that.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that's really early. Like three months doesn't doesn't seem like a very long period of time for for a mom to be home with with a brand new baby.
2: In America, it's pretty good. It's one of the best, I think. We're fortunate that she gets the three months. It's better than nothing.
1: But yeah, it's definitely better than nothing. I guess coming from Canada, we get a year. Wow. Yeah.
2: That would be amazing.
1: Yeah, which which so it's hard. Like I can't imagine you know, giving my baby there to take care, but you're going to be home with the baby. Is that?
2: Yeah. And I've like, I've created my home. if you've seen my Instagram, you know I, know I have like my own at home training center I built yes. in preparation for this. So, which probably means, with the amount of time I'll be spending in there, my posts may go down because how many times can you really see a guy working in an indoor gym and still be entertaining?
1: It depends so. where the baby's sitting in your gym. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, well, I don't want to get in trouble with the wife, so <laughs> can't get too crazy with that one.
1: <laughs> you should have little posts with baby everywhere. Baby's on the treadmill, baby's on the bike.
2: yeah. My buddies were like, Well, just run with him. Oh. Look think like a weight vest. I was like, mm. oh, chicken baby syndrome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no.
2: <laughs> I don't think my wife will be too keen on that one. But at two and a half, there's this company called Macride. Ride. Yeah. And it uh they make saddles, saddles with stirrups, like a horse saddle that goes over the top tube of your mountain bike, and they put foam added grip onto your handlebars so they ride on this like horse-like saddle stirrup thing and hold the handlebar with you so you can shred trail with them. Cool. So I'm looking forward to that day.
1: <laughs> Have you talked to your wife about that yet?
2: <laughs> oh, I've been telling her for the, the whole nine month pregnancy. I've been <laughs> telling her, hey, at two and a half years, we're doing this.
1: And, and is she on board with that?
2: <laughs> I don't get a no. So I presume. Well, she's not gonna be there, anyways.
1: That's right. Yeah, she's gonna be. Yeah, working. it'll
2: be fine. I mean, I ate it plenty growing up. I think I'm okay, ish. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and plus, think about all the he'll be able to learn to flow the trail with the biking, and the reaction time. He'll be a thousand times better than me.
1: Yeah, he'll he'll be super comfortable going down um down the hills and things like that really quick by the time you get him on his own own bike, right? So
2: Yeah, New World Disorder like eighty. <laughs> <That's> right.
1: <laughs> you could make your own. You could make your own videos with your kid. Totally. That'll be good.
2: So no, I'm really looking forward to sharing all that with him. And obviously he'll be growing up around me competing and coaching. Cause eventually when my athlete career's done, I do wanna move into full time coaching so how's your ex-terra career been
0: going so far
2: frustrating i'll be real it's like when people ask am i proud of my accomplishments or achievements no I feel i'm feeling yet to put the pieces of the puzzle together so i guess i have that i place such high expectations on myself that i will not be satisfied until i meet them which is kind of a difficult world to live in at times, too. It's kind of like, did you see that interview with Kobe where they were up 2-0 at in the finals, and he just looked mad? I did not. Oh, well, they're like, "Why aren't you happy?" He's like, "You're up 20." He's like, "Job's not done." Mm-hmm. That's kind of my mentality until the job's done.
0: So what does the job what's the definition of the job
2: being done for you? uh i'll keep that one to myself for now it's too early to okay it's too early for sure that one i kind of hold some cards to me (laughs) so
1: all
0: right fair enough
1: yeah do you feel by sharing your you know your ultimate goal that might just uh, is that more pressure that you're putting on yourself because now you've put it out there or
2: yeah pressure judgment i mean being vulnerable, you name it, all those things go into it. As soon as you slap elite on your name, (laughs) all sorts of things come with that from the outside world. And I've definitely had even, I mean, I feel like I'm a, what am I? Not, I don't, just some guy with an expensive hobby and still get it. It's interesting how our society views and treats elite athletes. Mm Mm-hmm the sudden expectations that are placed in judgments
1: yeah and 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 uh i find it interesting to you it says, as soon as you have elite or pro in front of your name um people think that's you're making this amazing living at your your sport
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's yeah. think, they, they but sure. <laughs> reality is it might only be like the top like Few people that are making that living, um, and and you're, you know, yes, you have a few sponsors. I I get that, but they don't always provide you your expenses for for your house and your food and your home, and you know it's not covering everything. So you know, what do you do to you know uh, what are you what else are you doing to help support your expensive habit?
2: I'm a substitute teacher. Cool. So for, uh, I spent 13 years in social services doing mental health in home therapy with at risk and mentally what, kids with DSM diagnoses. So, and after 13 years of that, I decided I had enough of that because that's a tough field. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of nasty things towards kids. And, uh, that's when I really decided to go full into pursuing pro triathlon was, uh, dealing with the burnout from that job. There's only so many molestation cases you can deal with before it gets to you. So I had, I was done and was, and was looking for something different, but, uh, now I'm a substitute teacher. So that, uh. That helps fund the cause. But like you said, it just breaks even in the end.
1: If you're lucky, it breaks even.
2: (laughs) If I'm lucky. Well, this year, I am very fortunate to be teaming up with uh, a new sponsor. Okay. So it's going to be, this year's going to be our first getting things going. And then next year, we should be in full swing. So this year also got delayed because of baby. I thought. So my race season's not as extravagant as I would desire it to be.
1: So where are you? Where's your next, uh, what's what's your race schedule look like this year then?
2: I have a bunch of half marathons this spring just, to, just for kicks. So I really like the trail half marathons. I really like the simplicity of them, the simplicity of running. Mm-hmm. Just throw on some shoes and go and i'm i seem to be not bad at it so uh it helps me work on my running i know people all everyone has their own philosophies in training and i'm sure there's plenty out there who'll say oh You're doing it wrong, but I just like to do events. I'm one of those people, I see a cool event and it's really, I have to talk myself out of doing it or else I'd be doing eight events a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard. It's like, oh, that looks awesome. Oh, that looks awesome. I like to try and experience everything. But the trail half, I have a trail half marathon next Saturday, actually, in my hometown. And then two weeks after that, I have a mountain bike race, which is really important to me the mudslingers, my first ever race that i did that first race 20 years ago to that day will be in a couple of weeks that's awesome and uh so there's some sentimental value to it and even more so because the trails that it runs on now was my high school senior project to build that trail system wow so there's always that added aspect, though, too, of going home to that race these days of, yeah, it's where I started, and it's on my own trails, awesome,
1: well, that'll be a lot of fun, I imagine as well, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah I still love riding in that area, so, and like I said, it's twenty years, twenty years ago that day, I started competing, so there'll be some emotion,
1: yeah, it's amazing how quickly time. Time flies, does it not? Yeah,
2: you know? it's amazing how quickly, yet how slowly at times too. Yeah. Some moments feel like they will never end. I think, especially during those low periods, like life leading up to my wife, that time seemed like it couldn't go by any slower.
1: Hard. It's a hard time, I'm, and uh, I, I would imagine. Do you often reflect back on that period of time and?
2: Yeah, I do totally, and although I made a lot of mistakes and was in and out of trouble, I don't regret any of it, because I realized looking back, looking back, it's easy to connect the dots and to see without any of those mistakes, without not going to Germany to race, without failing a bunch of classes in college and having to redo them, about Deciding to anything I wouldn't have met my wife, and I would not do anything differently again. I would do it all hundred percent the same, knowing the outcome
1: that's incredible well, you guys sound like you have an amazing love story, and she's very supportive of you and you are very supportive of of her. I'm very happy for your your little baby that you you guys just had to. So um thank you. That's really cool. So when uh just going back to Trifon, when is your first xterra uh race this season? When do you start
2: your tries? My first xterra will be the World Tour up in Victoria, BC. Ooh. Yeah. I'm looking for I've never been to BC, believe it or not, being from the Northwest. So I'm pretty excited. I'll actually kick off some X tries up there in uh june i'll be at the whistler x-try and then i'll be at the squamish extra a couple weeks later so i'll get a couple practice runs in before the world tour pan am tour event up in bc
1: well it's a beautiful area for sure Uh, british columbia is uh amazing
2: yeah it looks amazing i see it on google chrome all the time you know when you first turn on google chrome it has Landscape photographs from all these professional photographers around the world, and it's always showing BC. I'm like, oh, I need to get up there. (laughs) It's killing me.
1: Oh yeah, well you'll 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 love it. It's it's too bad your wife couldn't get stationed in BC, but that's Canadian, so it's not going to happen. But it's (laughs) Uh, it's definitely amazing for for mountain biking. I have friends that live out there and. And they do that. They mountain bike. They take their kids out. Uh, yeah. So they're all all getting quite good. They got beautiful trails for that.
2: Well, there you go. You have a whole support group to help you with mountain biking right there in BC. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, it's a five-hour flight for me, but um, oh, <laughs> I'm on the East Coast, so we're a little far. But, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's something I'll give a try at the end of this year. So
2: Oh, you've got to. Give it a try and let me know and like shoot me a message, however – and I can give you pointers or whatever that would be, after that.
1: Be great. I, I was curious too, like, I know, you know, you like to do a lot of challenges, obviously, like you took on a uh, triathlon without even being like a swimmer swimmer <laughs> and doing all these yeah. different things. And you did the, the road across America. So obviously, and you did some, some road riding. Have you ever thought of, um, eventually doing an Ironman half Ironman event?
2: at all it crossed my mind for a millisecond but then i remembered how much (laughs) i hated road racing (laughs) i mean i'm i'm just keeping it real i i spent seven years in the peloton racing and all i did was stare at some guy's butt in spandex (laughs) so and get taken out i'm not too i just it's just not for me
1: Hey, and that's okay. It's you know what, and what's great is that you know that, and you know what you exactly. love, and focus out when you want.
2: I mean, I've done road in Bel- Belgium, saturated with, and every event. So I would do sprints and Olympics, and I mean they're okay. It's I can handle a sprint or an Olympic. I did a sprint here when we first moved here. Okay, but it's not my preference. I had a bunch of sprints and Olympics lined up. Then I just, I couldn't do it. And I took them off. Wow. I even bought a new TT bike too. Like, okay. <laughs>
1: well, I saw your TT bike on Instagram. I saw the picture. So I was wondering, I'm like, yeah. you're not riding that on the trail. So we are every
2: now and then it sees a trail. Like I said, <laughs> or a gravel road. You never know what I get. I like to switch it up. You never know what, ride, what the ride may entail if you come with me. <laughs> we could be on the road. We could be on a trail. You don't, we could be hiking up something. You don't know. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the mentality that I grew up with. Or when I got into cycling, that was the mentality I was around, though, too. With other riders, we were very, uh, it was a very adventurous group. That would just explore and made it more than just about the bike and didn't have the bike the type of bike limit us to what we were doing so I guess a lot of that adventure came from uh, being around those people and we had some pretty good pros come out of there
1: I, I I bet you did
0: so let's say you achieve this goal that you have in mind. Do you look to continue doing this sport or do you just want to, you know, just go back to mountain biking or something like that?
2: No, I'm full. XTERRA is it for me. I'm not going to go anywhere else. I Like I said, I really love XTERRA. The environment, to me, the environment's everything. The environment and the people. And I, it's everything I want to be a part of and I don't want to leave it. Okay. I mean, in the so when I'm done competing, I'll go into something else, but as for as an athlete, I won't leave Xterra.
1: Well, now I have to go and watch some of it and check it out because you're selling me on on the Xterra.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point of doing this.
1: <laughs> exactly. And bring bringing some 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 light back cuz you know really it, it it does it it is very intriguing the the thought of being out in in the woods and the nature and things like that i and for me I thought about maybe even just starting not with the mountain bike but uh maybe a trail run or something later this year so
2: yeah and uh i mean the courses too uh get dubbed down some so it's not as crazy it's nothing like new world disorder if you're thinking we're doing new world disorder stuff uh, uh yeah no no i can't even do that i'd be looking at those like yeah no Next.
1: I, I started laughing when i saw those videos i was like oh my god
2: oh, they're awesome though especially like because what i used to do with them is being a teenager in in oregon when it rained a lot more back then I uh would put my mountain bike on the trainer go put the VHS in cuz you know this was pre CD <laughs> <Yep. laughs> and you had to get the VHS from the library had them so I'd go to the library check out New World Disorder come home put it in the v, put in the VHS and just ride my brains out to it <laughs> On the trainer, like, yeah, mad air, mad air, the whole time on the trainer. Oh, those are some tough workouts because you're just jacked the entire time.
1: Oh, yeah. so No kidding. You'd be, like, super excited and ready to go. like
2: Yeah. That's also where I learned about Rage Against the Machine because they used a lot of rage. So I was like, that's how I got into them. That's
0: cool. All right, about So. Just to wrap things up and take us to the end, we have a final few questions. Okay. Uh, What's the message you would want people listening to take away from your
2: story? Try Xterra. Come to the off-road side. Well, uh, no matter what's occurred in the past, you can reinvent yourself and be different in the future. Uh, I think that's been my biggest one for me. Uh, Instead of allowing my past to confine me, I've... Pursued new venues to explore what I could be. Don't be afraid to try new things. Uh, I, it seems like today people really let themselves stay trapped in a box and afraid to leave their bubble. It's. I mean, we get so secure in our surroundings and in what we're doing, even if it's making us unhappy uh we feel secure in it because it is scary to reach out do something different try something you've never done before move across the country uh quit your career to do something else it's all scary it's the unknown it's impossible to connect the dots ahead and you just have to have that faith that everything will be okay and trust in yourself that you can do it i think that's the biggest thing in life or else how would we ever know who we truly are and what we're truly made of if we don't explore and push our limits
0: absolutely some great messages there yeah okay and are there any brands or people that you would like to give a shout out to
2: well i'd like to f- thank my family i mean my mom and dad have been through I've put them through the ringer, <laughs> boy. I hope my uh there's a old Yiddish saying that my grandmother said to my dad, I can't remember it, but my dad, upon the birth of our son,'s like, I'm not gonna say it to you because you were a handful, <laughs> <laughs> so I really have to thank my i mean without my parents' support and what what would you call it? being there and willing to stand by me through me making some very poor choices i wouldn't be where i'm at without my wife i wouldn't be where i'm at i i don't know where i'd be without her right now i don't even want to think about that without her this opportunity to race in the pro wouldn't be happening right now so this whole elite career is really is really not possible without her and everything that it brings my coach stood by me for seven years back then i mean she was a you can't say enough good things about her either to be there and endure me in all my glory back then <laughs> and a couple good friends my good friends that i lean on in hard times and for mentorship and support so uh, I'm really excited and happy and feel really I'm really grateful Joe Froyo the company I'm working with now is willing to take a risk to work with me it seems like we have a lot of the same visions and it's gonna be a good partnership and I'm really excited to build a our relationship together and see it blossom into something that's going to be pretty rad in the future awesome
0: okay before we ask our last question tell everyone listening where they can find you online
2: you can find me on instagram at bfish underscore 83 i'm on strava just my name barrett fishner i'll eventually have a website through joe froyo coming out that's about I have a Facebook athlete Facebook page that I desperately need to update more often, but like I said, training in the garage is it bores me, so I don't want to put the world through that. That's where you can find me right now. Great. But stay tuned. There's exciting things to come, <laughs> starting in May. <laughs> we look forward to it.: We got some awesome projects in works in store. Especially going into 2020, there's going to be some super rad stuff. Uh, More, I'm taking on more challenges. So, more outside of racing stuff Mm -hmm. to just really push. You're going to get to see me cry, probably. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) We're going to see if we can't break me.
1: Uh, I was kind of hoping we'd see you cry in a happy way, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) you'll see that too. (laughs) <laughs> it will it will come. Like people you know, people are like, Would you cry if you achieved this? And some people say no. I'm like, Yeah, I can't help it. I'm sorry. You I'm an open book. You're gonna get whatever I'm feeling.
1: Well, I can't wait to see more of your story, especially the way you've put put uh your new Instagram in comics. I think it's you like it's that? really cool. I love it. Yeah, I think it's really fun.
2: I've Haven't been sure about it yet. Like that came about because I've been bored with baby and we're watching a ton of Marvels (laughs) one day. And I was like, huh. That's how that came about.
1: Well, it's different, right? It's not the usual.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what I was going for. I was like, that's different. You don't see it very often. But then it's like, because I did that whole like, you know, big picture cover thing that takes up multiple um, yes. Whatever posts, to, so when you open the profile page, it's all there. Yeah, I now I have that. to do three posts each time to keep that in line. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I have to come up with a story each time. But there'll be more to come. Like I said, especially kicking off in May, things are gonna, things are really gonna start accelerating in May. So stay tuned. For sure.
1: Yeah, I I will stay tuned. I can't wait
2: thank you i i appreciate it
0: all right our uh, last question
2: yes why do you try <sighs> because i will not allow myself not to because i can't live with what ifs and i must see exactly what i'm capable of and 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 there's no stopping it's not an option not to like I said, how else can we ever truly know what we're capable of if we don't?
1: I like that. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Barrett, it was amazing having you on the show and hearing your journey. Thank you for, you know, just being so honest and raw and just sharing with us.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to have me. I greatly appreciate this uh, opportunity.
1: Yeah, and definitely keep us updated on your progress and what's going to happen in May. I just followed you on Strava, so I want to see that too. Yeah,
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being a part of this Humans of Triathlon community. Hope you're enjoying the show and the other content. Make sure to join us again next week here on The Hot Podcast, where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this audrey but extra audrey world of triathlon. Until then, everyone, keep trying.